0: News. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for verse by verse, sponsored by Verse by
1: Verse Ministries.
2: And this is why Paul contrasts setting your mind on things above rather than the things that are on earth. You choose to do that. If you've been raised to a new way of life, then think about that new way of life. Stop thinking about the old way of life. Those are the things below. And that's why so many times we're, we're often defeated. This is why. We have new life in us, but, but our minds are stuck on the old things, the old life. So we're a contradiction in terms. We've got new life in us, but these minds are on the old way of life.
1: God is much like the investor who is shown an old warehouse. The realtor offers to clean the place up and repair the broken windows as part of the deal. But God says, don't bother with that. I'm going to tear it all down and build a whole new place. Very often, we as new believers are like the warehouse workers who go about in the new building as if we are still in the old one, bumping into new walls, tumbling down new stairways. When we trust Christ as Lord and Savior, he makes us into new creatures. If we try to live the way we did before, we should expect some extra bumps and bruises. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class of the air, taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today is the second day of a new study from the book of Colossians about true spirituality. Jesus is not someone we decide to believe in and then tuck away and forget like a get-out-of-jail-free card. He is someone who desires a warm, personal relationship with each of us. At the moment of salvation, God changed us so that we can have that relationship with Him. Today, on Verse by Verse, we will consider how to enter into and how to maintain that relationship. Here's Pastor Steve.
2: Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. The apostle writes, Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism, not water baptism, spirit baptism. In order unto death, he says, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him, watch this, united in union with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, our old self was crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And he who has died is free. From sin. He's simply saying you have a new way of life. You have a resurrected kind of life. That's, that's not just psychology. In fact, it's not psychology. That's not to make you feel good. It is a fact. Whether you appropriate that new life or not, you have it if you know Christ. You see, true spirituality is from the heart. It is a heart issue. You have a new kind of life, divine life. And, and therefore, you really can obey him. Before you've come to know Christ, you cannot obey God. You only do good things if you do them at all to make yourself look good. Not because you want to honor Him. Not because you want to obey Him. The motivation is all corrupt until you come to know Christ. You have a new way of, of living. Now, here's where it becomes real, real practical. We want to be honest. We don't want to walk in the clouds and, and miss a, a real a true point in our lives. There are plenty of believers who do not live different kinds of lives. They are haunted by the sins of the past. There are habits that they have a hard time breaking. There are struggles in which they fall to temptation and sin, and they don't particularly feel like they have much of a new life. And so I know that many of you are sitting there saying, yeah, new life. Tell me how to get along with my spouse. Tell me how to how to get along at, at work with this boss who's so unreasonable. Tell me how to deal with this person in the church who bugs me and criticizes me for everything I do and I can't get along with them. You tell me how new life does that. You tell me how to do that. Well, I'm not going to tell you, but Paul is because we move on from the basis of true spirituality, which is a resurrected, resurrected life within you, to the means of true spirituality. How do I live like this? It's a fact that I have new life in me, but how, what do I need to do to live out this new life the means of true spirituality paul goes on in in verse 1 to say if then you have been raised up with christ keep seeking the things above where christ is seated at the right hand of of god this verse has the potential to change your life dramatically if you grab hold of this live it out make it a part of you this verse and the next verse have the potential to radically change the way you live. Why? Because it puts a finger on the reason so many of us live defeated, up and down spiritual lives. This is, this is the key. And the reason is we're just not seeking the things above. We're not seeking the things above. You see, true spirituality only has its basis in Christ's raised life within us, but we still have a responsibility. Some people think that that their holiness is just let go and let God, and they don't think they have to do anything. That's not what this verse says. It's God's part to give us new life, but we have a responsibility. It's not to just let go and let God. God already did something. He's given us new life at the moment of our conversion. But we have a responsibility, and that responsibility is summed up in the words, keep seeking the things above. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we seek the physical things of heaven. It do, it doesn't mean that, that uh, we're interested in golden streets and thrones and jewels. And uh, Paul's not calling us to think about the geography of heaven. It's not going to do anything for you. Okay, you understand that the things above are not not the geography of heaven. The things above are eternal realities. They are the values embedded in the heart of Jesus Christ. They are the values of heaven. They are the spiritual values that characterize Jesus Christ. What values? In context, what he's talking about, jump down to verse 12. And so as those who have been chosen of God, these are the things above. Those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. That's the thing above kindness humility gentleness patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against one another just as the lord forgave you so also should you and beyond all these things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of christ dwell richly within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns spiritual songs Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know what he's talking about? The things above are such things as compassion and kindness and love and forgiveness and letting the words dwell in you and gratitude. These are the virtues of heaven. It's basically the same thing that Jesus taught in Matthew 6, verse 33, when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that you need is going to be given to you. It's the pursuit of holiness. It's the virtues of Christ. These are the realities that govern heaven. That's what he's talking about. Those are the things that are above, the realities that you ought to be seeking in your life. See, this is the kind of heavenly, resurrected life God wants us to live while we're on earth. Not wait till we get to heaven, but now to make a choice, and you can. Why can you do this? Because you have been raised with Christ. You have the life within you to do that. There's a newness of life in you, but it's up to you to seek heavenly values. And that's why Paul says, keep seeking. Notice that in verse 1. Keep seeking. In the Greek, it's it's very clear. It's an ongoing seeking. It takes effort. It takes the pursuit and perseverance. It doesn't happen automatically. It isn't that you just get converted and all of a sudden your mind's going to be thinking about, heavenly virtues. It means that it is the goal and driving force of your life to obtain the spiritual values of Christ-likeness. This is what you strive for. This is what you live for. This is your ambition to be like Jesus Christ. It means that you don't give up because you've had some spiritual setbacks in your life. It is the pursuit of holiness, ongoing. It is your goal. And so we know that true spirituality is attained by seeking Christ-like values but how do we do it? How do we do it? You you may be sitting here thinking, I know Christ. And if you know Christ, you want to be like Christ. If you don't want to be like Christ, don't deceive yourself. You've never come to know him. But for a Christian, your attitude may be, I want to be like Christ. I want to think on the things above, but how do I do it, Steve? How do I do it? Tell me. Tell me. Lay it out for me. Verse 2 does that. Seth, Your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on the earth. That's a commentary on what he's just said. The way to seek heavenly values is to think intently about them. You see, your thought life determines what's really important to you. What you think is important, you will dwell on. And what you dwell on will affect the way you believe and behave. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you choose to think on, and it is a choice. It's a deliberate act of your will. You can discipline your mind. Say, but I I really can't. No, you can because the life of Christ is in you. If you're having a struggle with that, it's because you you have fallen into a habit. You have cultivated a habit of not thinking on heavenly truth. And the good news is if it's a habit, that habit can be broken. Habits can always be broken. You substitute something else for that habit. And this is why Paul contrasts setting your mind on things above rather than the things that are on earth. You choose to do that. If you've been raised to a new way of life, then think about that new way of life. Stop thinking about the old way of life. Those are the things below. And that's why so many times we're we're often defeated. This is why. We have new life in us, but but our minds are stuck on the old things, the old life. So we're a contradiction in terms. We've got new life in us, but these minds are on the old way of life. We set our minds on the mundane things of this world. What are some of those things? Well, we can go on and on and on, but basically, I think he's talking about verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. But it goes beyond that. It doesn't. The mundane things of this world doesn't have to be just sin. It could be problems that, that you just think about over and over and over again. Concerns about money, physical comforts, worldly honor, worldly pride, prestige, pleasure, happiness. See, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. What's most important to you, you're going to think about. You've got to discipline your mind not to. You see, the key to spirituality is what you think about, and what you think about is what is significant to you. So I want to give you some very practical steps to to changing your thought pattern. You might want to write this down because you're probably not going to remember this. Number one. Start to memorize and meditate on Scripture. It's real real clear. If you want to set your mind on the things above, then you've got to know what those things above are. And the things that are above are revealed in Scripture. So start to memorize and meditate on Scripture. You say, well, I've tried that, and it doesn't work. No, no, it does work. What you need to do is get a partner who you, you say these verses to, a partner who will hold you accountable. So that you will do it. Someone who will say to you, if you don't do it, shame on you. You broke your word. You said you were going to do it. And then maybe carry around little cards. When I was a student at Moody Bible Institute and we had to learn all of this Greek. uh, All the the parsing of verbs and the declining of nouns, all that. We had to carry these little cards around. You can always see a Greek student at Moody in the elevator looking at his cards. Carry little cards with you. Do something. Psalm 119, verse 11, that famous verse says this, Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's how you do it. You treasure the word in your heart. You fill your heart and mind with the truths about forgiveness, love, purity. And there won't be room for greed and malice and impurity. You've only got so much room in there. Fill it with truth. Romans 12.2 speaks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind matters. Paul says in Philippians 4.8, Whatsoever things are true, think on these things. You think about And the word that he uses in Philippians 4, eight is meditate on them. Don't just memorize a verse. Memorization is only a bridge to meditation. Meditate on the Word of God. So that's the first thing. Now, having said that, the second thing is this. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about your problems. Uh, we all have heroes. Some of us like Michael Jordan. I like pastors. And um, I'm reading um, a biography of one of my heroes, a man by the name of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. L- Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor. He's a Welshman. And uh, he's converted to Christ, and he's a very well-known medical doctor in England. In fact, he was the, um, one of the physicians for the Queen of, of England. He left that to become a pastor and a Bible teacher, and in my judgment, was the finest expository preacher that I have ever read. He was a man who had keen insight not only into the Word of God, but into people. And I'm reading a chapter now in which it speaks about his pastoral counseling. Listen to to what he had to say concerning your mind and thinking. This is what a a Christian writes who went to see him about a particular problem. This person writes, I was converted young. All seemed to go well uh, until my 20s when I was assailed with blasphemous thoughts, which plagued me day and night for some years. Several ministers advised me to trust the Lord or pray about it but the more I did so the worse it became I seriously contemplated suicide It was at this juncture that I asked the doctor is known as a doctor not only because he was a medical doctor but also a preacher I asked the doctor for help He did not help me until he was satisfied that I was a Christian He then diagnosed my problem immediately he advised me rather surprisingly not only never to think about my problem again but never to pray about it either. I was not really praying, simply reminding myself of my problem. You relate to that? You, wanna, you, you think you're bringing your cares to the Lord, but really you're just reviewing the problem all over again. Lloyd-Jones said, don't think about it again. Don't even pray about it. But he said this. This person writes, the next week things became infinitely worse. I returned in distress to the doctor who said he had expected it. It was proof that Satan was behind it all, seeking to take control of my thought life. He added a warning not to let Satan do so with any other problem whatsoever. I thank God that the doctor gave me that advice, the best pastoral advice I ever had. Satan was crushed under my feet and remained so after all these years. I still wonder at the doctor's extraordinary insight, unquestionably God-given. The advice um, others had given had led me into the grossest bondage. Now, I know where Lloyd-Jones got that. He got it one place is Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on things above. Stop thinking about your problems. Stop thinking about yourself. Like Nike says, just do it. You say, well, how can I do it? You have resurrected life within you. What do you mean, how can you do it? You take off the old by refusing. When a thought crosses your mind, that's temptation. Refuse to let that thought cross your mind the second time. And you then take your mind and go on to Scripture and meditate on the truths of the Word of God. Thirdly, be careful what you think about when you have time on your hands. It's one thing to to sit down and say, I'm going to memorize this and meditate on it, but what about when, when those times of daydreaming come? that free time, that's where you must discipline your mind to be geared to the truth. Don't think about other things. Number four, pray for Christ-like heavenly values in your life. And I think this is what Paul is implying at the end of verse 1, where he says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In other words, the resurrected, exalted Christ is in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, ready to answer the prayers of, of God's people as they seek the things above. That is to say that I come into his presence and I say, Lord, I am struggling in this area. I, I want, I want the, the virtue of holiness in me and compassion. I don't have much sensitivity. I'm struggling with purity. I'm struggling with this. And the Bible says that he is at the right hand of God the Father and he is ready to answer your request. In fact, Jesus spoke about this. Let's look at John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to to leave them. He's going away, but he doesn't want to to leave them uh, hopeless. So he says, for example, in verse 2, In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. That's the context. I'm going away. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm preparing a place for you. Then he goes on to say, I'm going to come back for you, take you to myself. But what about the meantime? What do I do in the meantime? Verses 13 and 14, and whatever you ask in my name, context, I'm away, but whatever you ask in my name while I'm away, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Of course, what he's saying is he's at the right hand of God the Father. All authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. You come to him and ask him to to help you to have a forgiving heart, and he's going to do that. You come to him and ask, you to have a, a, ask him to have a, a pure mind and compassion and getting over abusive speech, and he's going to do that. That brings glory to the God the Father. That's what Christ is doing at the right hand of God. He is answering our prayers. At least that's one of the things he's doing. As you spend time with Jesus in prayer and in the Word, then you know what? You will long for his values. You will long to be like him. That's one of the reasons why you must spend time in the Word. Creates a thirst for his goals, his qualities. You see your own sin. You cry out and say, oh God, I'm not satisfied. I've got resurrected life in me, but I'm, I'm living a different kind of a life that I shouldn't. I long to be like Christ. So today, start memorizing and meditating on Scripture. Ask somebody to be your partner. Stop thinking about yourself. You make a choice. You'll be tempted. But temptation is not sin. The first thought is not sin. The second thought is. Number three, be careful what you think about in your free time. Don't cultivate the wrong kinds of thinking. And number four, pray for the Lord Jesus to give you his values, the things that are above.
1: Did you catch those four things we can do to help us change our thought patterns? I'll repeat them briefly in case you didn't get them all written down. First, begin memorizing scripture and meditating on it. If you are a speed reader, don't use that skill when reading the Bible. Take your time and absorb all you can. Second, second, stop thinking about yourself and all your problems. When I took the experienced rider course offered by the American Motorcyclist Association, one of the things the instructor drilled into us was that we go where we are looking. If you ride around a curve and have your eyes locked onto the tree you are afraid of hitting, there is a high likelihood that you will end up hitting it. Don't look at what you want to avoid. Look at where you want to go. That applies to our spiritual lives even more than to our riding or driving skills. Third, be careful where your mind goes during free time. And fourth, ask God for Christ-like values in your life. Pastor Steve will be back next time to conclude this three-part introductory message on true spirituality. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. The radio versions of his Sunday messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Another ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel is Lakeside Christian School. It is one of the finest Christian schools in the area. Lakeside's mission is to fully equip their students for life. The goal at Lakeside Christian School is to present students with an education wrapped in a biblical worldview by combining Christian teachers with the best curriculum available. Find out more at lakesidechristianschool.org or call 727-461-3311. You'll find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. At our website, you can listen again to today's class or any of the hundreds of classes stored in the archives. If you want to be sure you don't miss any future classes or you want to be able to listen to them at any time on your computer or MP3 player, you might like to sign up for our free podcasting service. Once again, that's versebyverseradio.org. We offer CDs and cassettes for order by telephone. Each disc or tape contains an entire message with no announcements. To order yours, call us at 727 239 0306. That's 727 239 0306. I read that there is, or at least used to be, a portrait on a wall near the main entrance to the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas. It had the following inscription James Butler Bonham, no picture of him exists. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. In many homes, we see portraits that claim to be the likeness of the Lord Jesus. But there are no literal portraits of him. The likeness of the son who makes us free can best be seen in the lives of his true followers. Join us for the next Verse by Verse, and we will see what true spirituality looks like. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden.
0: Encouraging you in Christ. Every other religion says, listen, you got to be good enough, work enough, sweat enough. Christianity says, you don't have to do any of that. You come to me. It is my life lived through you. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN.